The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Hapsent Minded. My name is Jared Book, and we have finally some uh, some positive news to talk about regarding the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I feel like it's been a while since we've had a chance to be positive around the team, but uh, I think a new general manager being hired in Kent Hughes is an opportunity to to look forward and to look optimistically, and and there's really nothing. Uh, in the first press conference to to tell us otherwise. Uh, joining me today is, is Matt Drake. Uh, Matt, your your first impressions of general manager Kent Hughes. Uh, I like it, man. Uh, I like it. I like the idea of a fresh perspective, uh, bringing in a player agent instead of just going through that old cycle of people who have done the job before. Uh, we talked about that on the last podcast. I don't think we mentioned Ken Hughes because at that point uh, he was basically out of contention. He popped in and out of contention throughout the course of the whole process. And then, uh, you know, at, uh, at near the finish line, he comes back in and ends up getting the job. I like this again is the same thing that I was saying before is I, I don't necessarily want somebody for the Montreal Canadians who's there just because they've done it before, right? They have that with Jeff Gordon. So they have that experience uh, from that perspective. Now they have somebody who's been on the other side of the negotiating table, right? I think the, the funniest quote of that press conference to me was when Gordon said, yeah, Kent's not my best friend. It's like, yeah, because you <laughs> sat across that table from him and had to negotiate with him. So um, I, 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 I'm really int- I'm intrigued by it. Right. I'm, I'm definitely willing to give him a shot and I'm, I'm kind of hyped up about it. Let's let's see what he can do. Yeah, yeah it, it's funny that, you know, the only mention in our in our look at, you know, 10 or so candidates for general manager uh, <laughs> and the one who was actually chosen, we basically said, oh, yeah, he's not a candidate. Uh, in that podcast, um, but uh, again, timing is everything. But uh, we we did mention him a little bit, and, and and you know his client list, and and that he was you know in the running at some point. But I I, I enjoyed, I, I really like how I really like Jeff Gordon. I know this is about Kent Hughes, but but Jeff Gordon just strikes me as a guy who could just crack jokes um, at, at all times. You know, he mentioned that you know, you wouldn't want my best friends to be in charge of the Canadians, um, which, which is just, it was just a, a very, it, it's refreshing because I, I feel like he, he doesn't take himself too seriously and, and he doesn't have the pressure of, you know, necessarily having to, you know, answer questions in both languages. Right. And, and, and I think that it allows him to just kind of be there. And uh, there was one, there was one question uh, that Jeff Molson was asked and he's like, could I answer in English? He, he was asked it in French. Uh, by by Mikio Guerrier, and and he asked uh, if he can answer it in English so that Jeff can understand it, uh, Jeff Gordon can understand it. So I I, I definitely like the dynamic that they have, uh, and, and I think that you know a lot has been said about the relationship between Jeff Gordon and and Ken Hughes, and I think that that was cleared up pretty quickly that they aren't friends. They're they're they respect each other professionally. They have a professional relationship with each other. They've known each other 
for a long time. But, and, and even uh, Jeff Gordon said, like, I never really had a friendship relationship with him. It was, it was professional. I know his family. Uh, I've, you know, I've, I've met his wife and, and things like that, but I, I think that it, it kind of limited the, the concern from that aspect that, that Jeff Gordon was just pushing for his guy the entire time. Yeah. And I think people had a tendency and people in general have a tendency to, to read into, you know, the proximity, the fact that they were both based out of Boston for a long time and that they've definitely dealt together before. Um, and you're right. He cleared that up right away. Like we're not friends. We've had a business relationship, right? It's, and realistically, it makes a lot of sense for him to say that because again, they, they would have been sitting on the opposite side of negotiating tables, yeah. right? So, you know, you got Jeff Gordon on one hand, who's trying to drive down the price for everybody who's represented <laughs> by Kent Hughes, uh, most notably, of course, uh, Patrice Bergeron. How funny would that be if he ends up signing with the Montreal Canadiens and how angry the Boston Bruins fans would be about that? I don't think it'll happen. But <laughs> anyways, the, the point being, um, I, I think people overstated, you know, what their relationship was just based on that proximity without necessarily knowing. And I thought it was interesting that he cleared that up right away and said that the main reason he wanted to bring him in is because he respected him right? That he's had those business dealings with him. He's seen how he carries himself, how he rep represents his players. And, and that was what uh, attracted him to Kent Hughes in the first place, not necessarily them being friends, right? Which I think, you know, everybody knows has been an issue for the Montreal Canadiens is that they, they've always had kind of this old boys club of like the same people just going in and out of the organization, right? And now we've, we've, finally taking a departure from that. And I think that should be the, that should be the, the main takeaway for, for fans like myself and everybody else who, who are not having a super fun time this season is th this isn't the same group anymore, right? <laughs> same owner, but it's, it's a totally different group of people and they're not necessarily bringing people in because oh, I like this guy and I've, I've been friends with him for a long time. They're bringing him in because, well, I respect this guy and I like what he's done in terms of a body of work. Yeah, and I think a lot of the concern regarding Gorton and Hughes's relationship is the fact that no, Kent Hughes is not known, right? Like, like you know, the, he he was, you know, kind of thrown in as a candidate, you know, early on and and out and then back in. But but the thing is that he was seen as kind of an outsider, and not many people knew anything about him, right? Except that he was close to Jeff Gordon. So I think that that, that, that really perpetuated a lot of that concern is that he was kind of seen as like the out of nowhere pick. Whereas, you know, if, if you would have hired someone like Matthew Darsh or, or even, you know, even Daniel Briere, they have a working relationship beforehand. So I, I just think that that was a, a part of it is that they, there was, we don't really know anything about Kent Hughes from a management perspective, right? We don't know what he can bring. We don't know, what what his mindset is at least uh, up until the press conference so i think that you know in that first 24 hours um you know even maybe even 36 at this point but through the first day and a half what what the concern was is like okay we don't really know much about this guy why was he hired and and a lot of the the thinking was oh he's just you know gorton's friend <laughs> and, and i think that that was they really did a good job at, at, at kind of uh downplaying that but also Kent Hughes, the way he spoke, he has, he has a lot of ideas. Like he's, he's a very, like you can tell why he's a successful agent, right? Like you, if you're, if you're like a, a young player coming out of like the, the queue or anywhere, and this guy comes up to you and like starts talking to you and like wants to represent you, you can see he just portrays confidence. Right. And, and I don't want anything I say here to be like 
oh, uh, you know, he's saying something that Mark Bergevin didn't have, or I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that what what stuck out at me is is he just didn't play up play up his his confidence. He was just kind of like, yeah, I'm I'm the right person for this job. This is how I feel, and and something that I think intrigued both of us is the the emphasis on analytics and and advanced statistics and not just that he's he likes them but but just the the way that he said in the answer that he's going to bring you know the the advanced statistics to his development team and say listen can this be fixed or is this player just not good <laughs> and and I, and I think that that's a kind of nuanced uh, approach and and I'm really obviously you know we know agents really focus on analytics because uh, a lot of times that that provides kind of hidden value for their clients and and I do think that there's uh, a lot of opportunity here for for Kent Hughes and and, and, I, and I was really intrigued by some of his answers because he just strikes me as somebody who who gets it and and I'm, I'm really intrigued I was intrigued before the hire I'm really intrigued to see what what decision making they do now going forward and and having said that even I, I do think there's going to be a lot of changes coming. Uh, you know, he, he said that he knows what he wants in a modern coach. And um, while not saying that Dominic Ducharme is not that, he said, I'm going to have to get to know Dominic Ducharme and speak to him. So a lot of things in this press conference, you know, th- there's not really news out of this because mm-hmm. he doesn't really know the roster. But at the same time, like you said, the, the optimism here is that it is a new regime. Right, this isn't going to be same old, same old. Even though Martin Lapointe is in charge of amateur scouting right now, it's not going to be same old, same old. Like, there's going to be a trickle down effect to this, and and anybody who is looking at the Montreal Canadiens being like, oh, they're just going to screw up the draft again, is not paying attention, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, going back to that analytics comment, right? I I really liked that, especially that he mentioned that he wants to look at the advanced stats and then, again, take them to the development team and figure out if they can fix those players. I love that approach, right? It's let's not take the stats and then just read into them and go, okay, uh, all these guys down at the bottom here that suck, we're getting rid of them, (laughs) right? No, we're going to take a look at it. And then, uh, obviously, I don't know who he's going to have for the development team because right now I think all they've really got is, like, Francis uh, Bouillon. And And Rob um, Ramage. Rob Ramage, right. So maybe he needs to put a team in place as well for that. So adding, you know, 15 more things to his plate. But the approach is what I really like there is that we're going to take those stats and then evaluate those players and figure out, uh, again, what do we have? How do we use these guys? Can we use these guys? And then you make your decision on who you're going to trade. And I would say that feeds very nicely into the next part about the coaches, right? You have to do the same thing there. You have to evaluate. I mean, I, I've made my opinion on Dominic Sham known. <laughs> multiple times on on the bottom six minutes um i I think he should be gone and i think pretty much the entire coaching staff should be gone but uh i will acquiesce to being a an emotional habs fan and i I like that he's removing the emotion from it and saying you know we're going to evaluate everybody i'm going to get to know everybody uh i'm going to get to understand what it is that they bring and then we're going to make a decision on it because uh this is what the team needs right is they they need to figure out he he mentioned specifically when he was talking about coaching you know, Barry Trotz is coaching in New York. That's the perfect team for him to coach. John Cooper is coaching in Tampa Bay, and that's the perfect team for him to coach. And he's like, we need to make sure that we have that situation going on in Montreal as well, where we have the perfect coach for the perfect team, because it's not necessarily the most talented team that wins the Stanley Cup every year. The Edmonton Oilers have arguably the two best players in the world, and, and they're mediocre. 
right? Yeah. So he the the way that he's like outlined kind of he didn't necessarily specifically outline a vision, but the way that he's outlined his process for for developing that vision long term is something that that I'm definitely on board with there. Yeah, and and analytics is a tool, right? Like yeah. it's you use it as a tool. Like I I don't think anybody, even the people who support analytics the most, don't see it as a end all be all. You know, hockey is still a very luck based game, right? Like you can put all the odds in your favor and still end up losing, um, even though you're being outshot. You know, fifty to twenty. Uh, and no, that's not a re- that's <laughs> happened not a, last night. That's not that's not a reference to Tuesday night's game, um, although I guess it kind of is. But um, yeah, I mean, there there's there's certain things that you you use. But what, what I what I think, and, and I'm not necessarily supporting Ducharme or supporting that he stays on, but I do think that a trickle down approach can be useful, right? I I you know Dominic Ducharme is still a, a rookie head coach, right? He's still in his first 82 games as a head coach. And I do think that having some kind of uh, mandate or not even mandate, but just uh, uh, leadership from, from above him uh, some direction from, from Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon can help Ducharme mm-hmm. kind of navigate through this. Right. I, I, I'm not saying that they're going to say, Hey, lose games for us because you want a high draft pick and we're going to fire you at the end of the year. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> um, what, I, what I'm saying is, you know, I, I think that, you know, in terms of direction, I feel like Dominic Ducharme is trying to be a coach that's trying to do everything where he's trying to develop kids. He's trying to win games. He's trying to maximize the, the value of some of the uh, tradable players on the team. And, and when you try and do too much, you fail at everything, right? Uh, kind of like, you know, Jack, Jack of all trades, master of none. And, and, I, and I think that what, what, you know, might help Ducharme is, you know, having a direction from management. And I'm not saying that Mark Bergevin didn't give him one, but I think that we can all agree that Mark Bergevin sent very mixed signals with his roster construction. And, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, this is a team that went into this season as defending Stanley Cup finalists, expecting to make the playoffs again. And now they're very much not in that. And I think that now with a new regime, they, they, they have a different priority. And I, and I think that Ducharme is not necessarily going to do it all by himself, right? In, in a way, Ducharme's not going to make the decision for himself to be like, hey, screw winning. I'm going to just develop kids because his job is still on the line, right? So, you know, if Jeff Gorton doesn't want to, dev- you know, like it's not in Ducharme's best interest just make the decision to lose games and, and just play kids. But I think that with some direction and not just in terms of a roster construction or lineup construction, but in terms of just a philosophy, right? Because this is a team that also has, has kind of had no identity this year, you know? And, and even you can argue other than the playoffs, uh, has not had an identity and, and it was something that that Ducharme needed to take over and and hasn't really done that yet so it, it's interesting to me because when Ducharme took over as coach he said that he wanted the team to play a certain way and that team is not playing the way that he set out for it to be so I, I don't necessarily know if this is what he wants either so I, I am intrigued that he's going to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and and I'm not Again, I'm not advocating for him to stay on as head coach. I'm not saying that he deserves, a, you know, another full season or anything like that. 
but at the same time, I think that he can he can benefit from having a structure above him. And as a rookie head coach, I think that that's something that might that might help. And and who knows, they might be on the same page when they meet. And you know, he might decide that yeah, Ducharme is a modern head coach. And and now with a little bit of you know direction and and a cohesive vision from management on down to coaching and down to development even they can get that going. So I am intrigued. There is still over half a season here. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of time left to, to make these evaluations. And yes, some decisions have to be done sooner, like Ben Sherratt, uh, Jake Allen, potentially players like that, uh, Arturi Lekkinen, potentially, you know, players at, at the trade deadline that might be moved. Yes. There's a decision that has to be made sooner, but as you know, even firing Ducharme is not going to solve things, right? No. Like, especially right now. So I think right now there's there's an evaluation uh, going on. And, and, and I think that Ducharme might benefit from having someone tell him, hey, listen, we're not going to judge you on wins and losses. And Jake Allen pretty much said as much, right? After the, after the team came back from their break, that, you know, we need to focus on good habits and things like that. And, and I think it's hard for a head coach to think like that. Um, but but I think that the future of the organization uh, will benefit from kind of this structure on down. And maybe, you know, he's not going to be the next head coach, you know, the future head coach of the Canadians. And that's fine. But but I think that some direction might help him. Yeah, you that that's a nuanced take. Um, and, and I respect it, Jared, and I respect you. But, <laughs> but I'm I, wrong. <laughs> I would like for him. I would like for him to, to go away. I think the other night, like when he pulled Caden Primo and said, oh, I was trying to generate momentum. It's like, no, uh, that, the goaltenders can't score goals. You were down four to two. If you wanted to generate momentum, maybe you should have changed the way that your forwards were attacking. <laughs> but you actually bring up an interesting point is that maybe that's why he is trying to coach to win games is because he thinks that's what he's supposed to do, right? Yeah. He's thinking, this is how I keep my job. This is how I stay an NHL coach. And maybe that's what he needs is he needs – you know, the, uh, the, the powers from up on high to come down and say, listen, uh, that's not what we need from you right now. I understand that that's what you're, as a coach, your mentality is my job is to win games. Uh, but realistically, what we need you to do now is, is to kind of develop some of these players. Like we've been saying for a while, right? Like <clears throat> this season's pretty much lost, right? You're right. There is about half a season left, but are they going to make the playoffs? I mean, they would have to do <laughs> no, a complete 180. <laughs> If they did a complete 180 and they go on a, I don't know, 16-game winning streak, we might be in the conversation. But you're right. No, they're not making the playoffs. So at this point, what I'd like to be seeing is a step forward from some of those young guys, right? Ryan Paling, if he can legitimately become a bottom six center, um, you know, that's defensively responsible and that can chip in some points, fantastic. Alexander Romanov, if he can take that next step where he's getting those minutes and he can become a legitimate top four defender that's fantastic um but Caden Primo if he can show (laughs) that he could be the potential heir apparent to Carey Price and his backup if and when Carey Price is ready to come back to playing would be fantastic and therein again I circle back to Dominique Ducham and my frustrations with him as a coach for pulling uh Caden (laughs) Primo the other night um Anyways, you're, you are right, though. All, all this to say you're right. Him having some direction now, uh, having, you know, an actual management group in place above him that can tell him exactly what it is that they're looking for. It could change the entire landscape of what we're looking at 
um, within the coming months. And there's going to be a lot of hockey to be played with the, the new schedule they just put out. Right. So um, for sure, I guess he, he's going to have his opportunity to prove his worth. Um, I mean, I've been saying ad nauseum that I want him to be fired, but I, I do understand that he's not getting fired during the season. So he's going to get a chance here, I guess. And uh, if they give him some legitimate direction, then he shows that he can follow that direction, that he's actually accomplishing something within it. Maybe he does stick around. Who knows? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that it's, it, it's in, like, we're not going to say, we're not saying that the direction from management were like, Hey, Dominic Ducharme, we want a high draft pick, lose some games. That, that's not the direction we're talking about. We're talking about, Hey, play Cole Caulfield 18 minutes a game. See what happens. Yeah. You know, play, play Ryan Paling 15 minutes a game, play, play, you know, Sammy Nuku 17 minutes a game, you know, play, and, and, and kind of go from there. And, and yes, you can see that as, as kind of disguised tanking, but it's not really tanking because while you're playing the game, you're looking to win. Right. And, and we're not saying that they're going to necessarily send everybody down to Laval to make their team weaker or anything. Like that. It's, 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 it's a nuanced kind of look at, at, at the way to go things. But yeah. I do think that, you know, if, you know, Kent Hughes goes to Dominic Trump and listen, don't try and win games to nothing. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I don't care if you lose games seven to four, yeah. try and score some goals. And then he'll be like, okay, you want me to do that? I'll do that. And so maybe I, like, I, I, I'm not trying to take Ducharme's side and saying that it's all, it's all, it's none of his, his fault. Um, but I'm d- wondering if he's just trying to do everything at once. Like he's trying to win games. He's trying to be good defensively. And, and, and the result is what we're seeing, which is just a team that looks lost and has seemingly no direction. Like is Jake Evans a center or is he a wing? Is, is Rem Pitlick a center or is he a wing? Uh, you know, they haven't played Jonathan Jouant center yet, but they might uh, mm. at some point. But uh, <laughs> but at a certain mm. point, uh, I mean, he's playing some of the best hockey on, on the team right now as well. Yep. So, um, you know, it's it, it's at a, at a certain point, though, I, I do wonder if Dominic Ducharme is just like panicking and trying to do everything he can to, you know, he might not even know what 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 they want him to do basically right like and i I feel like you know maybe a little bit of you know after the trade deadline especially i do think that you know we'll we'll get a better idea of where this team is headed obviously because moves will be made but but i also think that there's there's a certain thing that that needs to be done and like someone just needs to sit down with them and be like listen this is what we want (laughs) and and kind of see where that goes and maybe he'll you know, maybe he's not built that way and it's not good enough and, and that's fine. And, and obviously he'll be fired as a result of that. But I, I do wonder if he's just kind of like paralyzed by not knowing what to do. And, and as a result, he's kind of just all over the place. And there's not really much experience on his bench with him either uh, in terms of NHL head coaching experience, which, which might be yeah. something that they look at as well. Right. I, I, I could see maybe Ducharme coming back next year with a, a completely overhauled coaching staff. But at the same time, I, I do think that there's a lot of things that will trickle down from this. And, and you know, the, the, the likely scenario, I think, is that a new coach comes in. I do think that's the likely scenario at the end of the season. But at the same time, I, you know, Dominic Ducharme is going to have, you know, unless they, they decide to fire him earlier, uh, at least 40 games to, to look at this, the, the future. And, and you can't, these aren't lost games. Like they don't mean anything in terms of playoff positioning, obviously, 
but they aren't lost games. There's a lot to play for. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I do think that it's, it's an intriguing, I'm intrigued to see what kind of changes will be made in the even near future and whether we yeah. can see changes like that happening because of the, the trickle down direction uh, from, from Hughes and, and Gordon. Well, yeah. Cause they, he talked also about wanting to be a more offensive minded team, yeah, uh, like speedier offensive minded team. And it's like, you know, if that's the case, like I could see them, you know, you, you call up, I mean, Shadowman, you get Luke Richardson as well into your office and say, listen, Alexander Romanov, we, we like this guy. He's probably on the, the no touch, uh, the untouchable list. I, I would think, right. He's been on the untouchable list for the Canadians for a while. Now it's a new regime. So maybe he's not. Um, but we know other teams have been interested in him before. If I was in their position, I'm calling those guys up. I'm bringing them in. I'm saying, Hey, listen, we, we want you to turn this guy loose right? He's blowing people up at the defensive blue line. <laughs> he's, he's a pretty fast skater, deceptively fast given uh, how thick he is and uh, turn this guy loose. Let's see what, what exactly can we do with it, with this player. Right. And again, this goes back to what he was talking about with the advanced statistics, right? It's let's find out what we have. Um, if it's defective in any way, can we fix it? And if not, well, what can we trade it for? Right. I say it, I don't want to obviously reduce the players to, to objects, but uh, the, the point being you obviously need to have a meeting with those coaches and, and talk about what it is that you see in that roster. And uh, again, tell them like, listen, this is what we would like to see you do. And then, like you said, you know, they're going to have about 40 games left to iron that out and see whether or not they can accomplish what the, the management group wants them to accomplish. Um, I really think that, that's a conversation they're probably going to have to have in the next couple of days. Obviously they're busy right now. Right. I think they got to fly. They mentioned that they were going to fly to Vegas yeah. uh, later today. Right. Yeah. I think they're flying to Vegas in, ter- in time for tomorrow's game. Uh, I would think or Thursday's game. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if I was them, if I was Gordon and, and Hughes, that is, I, I would have a meeting with them right after that game. And I'd be like, all right, listen, here's what we saw. And here's what we'd like to see. And uh, tell me, what can you do for us? Right. Yeah. And he's going to get his shot, right? Again, my, my opinion has been known. I'd, I'd fire him tomorrow if it was up to me. But uh, again, I'm an emotional Habs fan. I'm, I'm not actually managing the team, which is probably a good thing for everybody. And we'll see if he can actually accomplish what, what they want him to accomplish uh, with the, the games that he has left. Like you said, those games are not, uh, they're, 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 they're not throwaway games. It's still a lot of minutes of hockey that you can do a lot of really good, you know, analysis of what those players are able to bring and you know who you want to trade who you don't want to trade and uh, you know really establish your vision um i think that is key and i think it it sounded to me at least in the press conference that that's what they're focused on is is trying to establish that vision yeah and and i think that you know look we, we talked about this at the beginning of the season this isn't new like when you have josh anderson and mike hoffman and jonathan joan like, why are you trying to play defensively anyway? Right. Like it's it just <laughs> it, like, it's a recipe for disaster. Like, you know, it, it's, it's just trying out score teams and maybe, you know, maybe the, the game against Dallas is kind of a, a way that they're kind of going to go and just, Hey, listen, if we get outshot, you know, 50 to, to, to 25, at least we're going to try and score some goals. And, and, you know, it's not sustainable obviously, but at the same time, you have to work with what you have <laughs> at the time. Right. So, uh, but but I am I am curious to see 
you know, kind of minor changes that happen, like little adjustments, you know, when it comes to lines or lineup construction and things like that. And, and whether there's a, you know, some changes that, that are made, obviously there's a lot of things that, ha- you know, even when it comes down to Cole Caulfield, right. And there, there were reports before he had the, he was added to COVID protocol that he was going to be sent down. You know, he was practicing on, on the fourth line or, you know, one of the, the bottom lines, I guess, um, you know, because, you know, it's hard to tell which, which line is the fourth line, but, but I, I do think that there's going to be some things that are, are going to be done throughout the organization. And look, Laval's in a playoff run and they're going to need, they're getting some bodies back. They're going to, you know, um, look to, to try and improve and, and, and get to the playoffs for, which seems weird to say, but for the first time in, since they moved to Laval, but at, at the same time, I, I do think that there's, there's a lot, you know, Kent Hughes was very positive in the first day. Like I, I really liked what he had to say, despite, you know, there's, you know, there's only so much he can say, right. He, he hasn't done very much evaluation. He hasn't, you know, he's on his second day of the job. Uh, there's a lot of things that are, are going through that, but I, I do think that there is a lot of optimism and reason for optimism. And a lot of people are going to be, you know, are, are down on the Montreal Canadians because of, you know, I'll, I'll flail my hands and say, yeah, the last year has been pretty, pretty mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, not even a year. What am I talking about year? Last like six months <laughs> or so have been absolutely insane, you know, but at the same time, it, it's just, it's, it's been one of those, those things where it's like, you know, a year ago, Claude Julien was still the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. Um, which is, it's, it's kind of crazy to me that, that, you know, we're, we're still, you know, even a year ago, it was, it was at that point, but it, it's, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm, I'm liking where this management's going. I'm, I'm intrigued by what some of the hires that they're going to have to do going forward. Um, you know, a lot of that might be even in the off season because a lot of play people don't like to see their Jeff Gordon mentioned, like a lot of teams don't like to see their scouting staffs, um, plundered in the middle of the season um but 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 i i do think that there's there's going to be some some changes and this is just the first step and and uh it's it's a good it's like as it's an exciting time as you can have when a team is in last place um because everything you know it might go horribly bad but right now it's like the first game of the season right the first game of the season everyone's in first place uh, your, your first day as general manager, you haven't, you're, you're, you've been perfect. You haven't made any mistakes yet. So, you know, at this point, the, the sky is the limit. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that people are going to give him the opportunity to, to do this. You know, his, his French was good. Uh, his vision is good. Uh, he's not best friends with Jeff Gordon. And I think that, <laughs> I, I think that those three things eased a lot of the, the uh, uncertainty uh, around, around Hughes. And listen, he's, he, he seems like a really smart guy. Um, yeah. And I think both he and Gordon have, have the university degrees, which I'm not saying that you have to have that. Obviously there's a lot of hockey, hockey, you know, people in the world who don't have that, but it, it, it does add a little bit of, of uh, difference to the way that they speak. Yeah. And the, the, the way, the outlook that they have. And I do. And I noticed that it just, it just seemed like, it just seemed like three owners were talking, right? As opposed mm-hmm. to like, um, you know, three hockey people. Um, but I, I'm, I, it's, it's an intriguing, very, very intriguing 
uh, outlook. And and I was intrigued, like I said, I was intrigued when Kent Hughes was hired because I'm like, listen, they like this guy. There has to be a reason for it. And I'm intrigued now because this is going to be a, a very interesting um, few months. for the Yeah. Community. And, you know, university degree aside, like who knows the CBA and everything better than a player agent? <laughs> I, I would say probably nobody. Yeah. Right. He has an intricate knowledge of how that works. And another thing that was brought up in the press conference that um, I think is super underrated and why they wanted a player agent in this position is um, I think Eric Engels asked the question in the, in the press conference about, you know, the COVID restrictions in Quebec and how uh, apparently a lot of free agents might not be very interested in coming to Montreal as a result of the restrictions that the, the government of Quebec has, has put during the pandemic. Now I, I submit to you that, you know, we've had a problem bringing free agents to Montreal for like 15 years <laughs> because not only do we pay a ton of taxes, it's a high pressure market. And now you add in all these restrictions that are coming from the government. And some, I, I could see it, how it could get maybe a little bit worse. So why would you want a player agent in that position? I wonder, well, he understands the CBA better than anybody. Um, he definitely understands the player perspective of contract negotiations. Let's not forget this guy used to rep Vincent Le Cavalier who didn't want to come to Montreal. So, I mean, what better person to, to put in there than a, than a player agent, right? Uh, not necessarily specifically Ken Hughes, but a player agent in general, somebody that you believe has, has the right vision and has that experience to help you attract some of these free agents, despite the fact that it's not the most attractive destination for free agents. And it never has been, right? I, it's not that I'm upset about this, idea that's being put out there that it's worse now than it used to be but all i'm saying is it's been bad for a while i think that's part of why they wanted to bring somebody like that in because like you said that very articulate understands that aspect of it yes he has a university degree but he's probably got a goddamn phd when it comes to the cba and what players want when they're looking for a contract yeah and i think that that's something that's you know look there's been a lot of players and i think we mentioned this in the podcast when we looked at some of the other agents that were being considered, uh, mainly uh, Emily Castonguay. But, you know, this has been a, a uh, they're, they're coming off of a regime where a lot of players exited Montreal badly, right? Where they, they didn't feel like they were, you know, either getting a fair offer or negotiated well or, or you know, being honest with. And, you know, Philip Deneau, uh, you know, guys like uh, Andre Markov, obviously, Alexander uh, Radulov, a lot of guys that have kind of been up in the air and, and not ending their careers or, and, you know, even resigning in Montreal. So I, I think that an agent can kind of squell some of that because he's been on the other side of those, of those talks. And, and that's a good thing as well. And yeah, I, I just think that there's, there's a lot of intrigue here and, and, you know, I think that he has his ideas and he's not just going to make decisions for Jeff Gordon. And I think that that's something else that came through uh, in the press conference. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued by, by what he's going to be able to do and, and, and what his vision is and, and, you know, just kind of establish what the Montreal Canadiens will look like. And he even mentioned when it came to scouting, like they, they have to sit down with the scouting team and the development team and decide what they want a Montreal Canadiens player to look like going forward. Yeah. And, and I think that that's important because he did mention character and, and, you know, that was a buzzword a lot 
in, in the previous regime under Mark Bergevin. But the way that he said character was, was, was intriguing to me. It's like, you need to have that. He mentioned, he, he quoted uh, Jarmo Kekalainen who said that character is a skill. And look, you know, there's no way, there's no way around that. The, the team's last first round pick, there are questions around that. Right. Like, and, and I think that, you know, sitting with the scouting staff and deciding what they want a Montreal Canadian to be is, is very intriguing. And, and I, and I do think that this is going to be very interesting going forward. And look, not only is he an agent, has he dealt with, you know, young players coming up and recruiting them and, you know, negotiating for them and getting to know them and, and kind of trying to get their representation but he also has two sons that are young hockey players. Yep. And one of them drafted re- by Jeff Gordon. Too. Yeah, one of, one of them drafted <laughs> by Jeff Gordon. One of them eligible for 2022 draft. It's the Jack Hughes, but not the Jack Hughes who's a devil. And obviously, by that respect, not related to that Jack Hughes and therefore not related to Luke or Quinn either. Um, so, but say, that's besides the point. It's very confusing. But at, at the same at the same time, he can relate to young players. And, you know, uh, there's, I, you know, I, I mentioned that, you know, the connection to Northeastern and Jordan Harris, who's a free agent is, is obviously uh, a priority for the Canadians. And, you know, he can relate to those players. Like he knows Jordan Harris, right? Like he knows these, the, you know, and he knows what young players are looking for and what they need. And by that token development, right? When you're a player agent, you focus on development of your players, Right. And you can you can bring that expertise into a general manager position, right? So I, I just think that there's a lot of things that he knows, a lot of experience that he has that will maybe fill in some of the blanks of where the previous uh, Bergevin regime failed. And, yeah. you know, listen, I'm not saying he's going to be perfect. There's going to be mistakes, most likely. But at the same time, like I said, zero and zero right now. All right, <laughs> the, yeah. the, or she's one to know. Technically, one to know, but I mean, in terms of decisions, you know, it's a it's a clean slate, yeah. and and I'm I'm curious to see what what trickles down, and you know, the team is on the road right now, so obviously there's there's limited change that can be made at this point, but uh, it's going to be something to watch. And yeah. look, if you're not going to focus on wins and losses for the rest of the season, you can focus on this, and and what the direction the Canadians are going. And it's it, that's that that's what's gonna push me through the last uh, forty or so games of the season is what what's gonna happen? What are the changes? What's gonna go on uh, moving forward? Yeah, and you know, uh, again, to go back to bringing in a player agent and why would you want to do that? Just think about how many teams have royally messed up free agent negotiations with their own players. Forget about bringing in you know unrestricted free agents off the market. How many teams have royally messed up negotiations with their own players, right? That's why you would want a player agent in that position because you know you can kind of preempt a lot of the things that that might come up in a negotiation as a result of having that experience, right? You look at um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, for instance, who are a very good team this year, potentially a Stanley Cup contender. One of the biggest mistakes that people tend to point at when they're looking at the Leafs is, well, your Marner negotiations were bad, Right. Maybe if Kyle Dubas had that experience with him, right? Maybe if he had been a longtime player agent like Kent Hughes, maybe they get a better deal there because maybe it doesn't go the way that it does, right? 
maybe if Marc Bergevin had agent experience, right? Maybe the PK Subban negotiations don't go the way they do. You think? Maybe you get a better deal there. <laughs> maybe you don't end up trading PK Subban. Maybe he's still on the team, and maybe you still have that fast defense that they're talking about now, right? <clears throat> now I don't want to go back and revisit that trade. <laughs> yeah. If you if you want my opinion on that trade, you can actually well, Google it, and I'm pretty sure it's probably still one of the top <laughs> results on Google uh, because I raged out about that one, but. You're, you're the only one, in fairness, you're the only one on staff who was able to write anything uh, because everybody else was, was in shock. Um, yeah. But, but, but I, I, yeah, I, look, Mark Bergevin, you can argue that Mark Bergevin's first misstep was the P.K. Subban negotiation, right? Deal. Like uh, it, it went to arbitration before, before they had to sign basically a max deal. And, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, look, Yes, Bernie cut Kenyemi, right? Those negotiations were bad, right? Like that there it didn't end well, right? If if Yes Bernie cut Kenyemi was was feeling respected by the Canadians, he never would have signed an offer sheet. Right? It never would have gotten that far. He would have signed, you know, for you know, two years at three million a year or whatever, or whatever contract exactly. he would have signed. Exactly. And that's and, where a player I, agent comes in, right? Exactly. I, I think that there's gonna be a way to look. Mark Bergevin was a lot of things. Modern, modern hockey mind was not one of them, right? He, he, he did some great things. He was, a, he was actually a, a very good trade negotiator. Um, you know, that, that, I, think that, I think that's an underrated part of his, his tenure. But one of the things he was not was a modern hockey mind, right? Mark Bergevin did not build the Montreal Canadiens to a modern organization by, by pretty much any stretch. And, and I'm not saying that a modern organization has to be the way but okay no i am saying like you have to move into the 21st <laughs> century and the canadians have not done that they just haven't and and i think that that that's that's one thing that you know just thinking about the game in a modern approach like mark bergevin and trevor tenements have been in their job for so long that i don't think i've realized that they're even gone yet like, like I think yeah. that that's I think that's that's a mindset that's affecting a lot of Canadian people around the Canadians. To be honest, I just you're so ingrained to like Bergevin Timmons, Bergevin Timmons that it's kind of hard to realize that they're gone, and and it's a new regime. And you know, like it's Trevor Timmons has you know both of them, both Bergevin Timmons did evolve, right? The, the, on the day they were fired, what they were completely different from the day they were hired. They did evolve. Yeah but they weren't new school. And, and I do think that you need some old school in that. And, but I think that if you want to build a winner, you have to look for new ways to build winners. And, you know, as, as successful as the Canadians big four on defense was the last two years, I guess, in the playoffs, that's it, 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 it is not a way to build a modern organization. And, you know, the way that you're looking at that is that, you know, it basically broke half of that big four. Well, actually, three quarter, you know, most of the big four, right? Because Peachy's been hurt too. So I, I just think that it, it's, it, there's a lot to be said for even modern approaches to player science and sports science yeah. and, and things like that. And there's just so many things and load management and, and things that, like, you know, like just because you can play Shea Weber and Jeff Peachy 30 minutes a game doesn't mean you should play you know like there's yeah. there's there's um a little bit of of nuance in everything and, and i think that there's just 
a modern approach from the top down. And, you know, the Canadians did make some changes to their sports science department as well uh, in the last year. But at the same time, it's just, I'm, I'm intrigued. And I think that it, you know, obviously it's something that we're going to look forward to um, as, as we move on here. Um, Matt, thank you for, for taking the time. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Stay safe. Uh, Look at the website. Uh, We're going to have a lot of things to say in the next coming days, I'm sure. Uh, about not only this press conference, but about the the games the, that are, are being played and changes we want to see. The Rocket are, are still going strong as well. And, and like I said, fighting for a playoff spot. So uh, go to HabsEyesOnThePrize.com, listen to Habs Minded. Uh, the Olympics are coming up. There's going to be a lot of Canadians prospects there as well. So it's gonna, it's a, there's a lot to look forward to, even though the games might not be something to look forward to. Uh, Matt, thank you for listening. Uh, Matt, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on Hashtag.